Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. With, with tough things. Uh, I suppose this morning's message was probably pretty tough, in, at least in some ways. I don't back up from anything I said. I think it was God's word and uh, we'll go with it. Tonight I want to deal with another one that probably is a little tough, uh, but uh, it gets down to where we live. And I'm going to use the subject, the breakdown between God and his people. And uh, we'll try to deal with that reasonably here in Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, we'll read through verse 6, and then we'll jump over to verse 18. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Then over to verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land, but if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword from the mouth for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Let us pray. Our Father, we come as your children tonight to your house to praise your name and to look at your word. And may its truth strike a chord in our hearts. If there is anyone in this congregation that is not a part of your flock, has never said yes to Jesus Christ. May this night be the time that they would be willing to step out of their seat and just come forward and say by that coming that they're receiving the Lord. If there is a need in any heart for the correction of one's life, for rededication, for taking a new direction, for rethinking how we live for you. May this be a night that we would properly assess our relationship to you and get back to living with you and for you as you so desire. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
All of you, I'm sure, have read Ann Landers or uh, Dear Abby or some other advice column or have uh, dealt with those who or know somebody who has dealt with those issues that would come out in such a column. I have tried to read the most of those in the newspaper over the years. I haven't succeeded at it. But one of the things that I've observed is that many of the problems that are presented by people writing to Dear Abby or Ann Landers or others and the response given deals with a breakdown between parents and children. And I'm sure that you have observed the same thing. One of the real tragedies in our world today, and I have seen it time and time and time again, is the absolute abuse that kids give their parents. I'm not talking about pre-teens or teens or early 20s, but regardless, as long as a person has a parent, he is a child or she is a child. And I have seen elderly people so bitterly abused by the younger set, by the kids in the family most particularly. If there is anything that I believe the Bible teaches, it is that we respect our elders. And there are some elders in this church that I hold in great admiration, not because of the tremendous uh, maybe Bible knowledge they have or the formal education that one might have, but the things that makes a person great stand out. My grandfather never got out of grade school. I think the sixth grade as far as he went. But as far as I'm concerned, he was one of the most respected people that I ever knew in my entire life. And I was brought up to respect him and my father and other elders and those in the church who are in positions of, of a little more age because of the tremendous uh, experience they've had with life that the elders can teach the younger people a lot about how to live and what's valuable and what's not valuable. And I think we never get too old to look up to and respect and honor those that are on in years. But we're not seeing this in today's world. We're seeing kids of all ages who curse their parents, who are disrespectful to them, who sass them, who show little or no respect, and almost come across, and some do come across with the idea that the parents owe something to the kids. Listen, the way I read the scripture, the reverse is true. Children owe their parents for all that they have provided. I wrote my father a letter one time, and in that letter I told him that I owed him a debt that I knew I would never be able to repay. 
He responded and said, son, you don't owe me anything. But I said, yes, I do. I owe you for all that I am. For the background that you have provided, for the, for the training that you've given and all those things. We don't see this, and it bothers me that we are bringing up a society of disrespectful younger people. We see it in school all the time. That's probably why I can't teach school any longer. I would be in jail. And some parent would put me there because I cannot tolerate insubordination from those who are younger who think they know it all, who will sass and be disobedient and do all the things. And those of you who teach probably uh, have this experience that I don't know how you stand it. Mindy, how do you stand it? I don't know, Donnie. Uh, Alan, I don't know how you stand it. At your age, you oughtn't stand it any longer. I'm not as old as you are, and I can't take it. <laughs> but it's happening in the family. It's happening in the church. It's happening in society in general that there is no respect. But what's the root cause? Why do our children not look up to us? Of course, some do. Some don't. My son went through that period of time when he thought he knew more than I did. And he thought that he could get away with a lot of things, and I finally had to explain to him in a very firm way that I was still in charge of this house, not him. When he picked himself up off the floor and his eyes were wide, he looked at me through different light, a different light. Uh, I put him on the floor with a good hard fist. When he got up, he, he saw things a little differently. I'm not advocating that that be done, but what I'm saying is there is a point in which our kids need to know that, that there is an authority and somebody to be respected. And the reason I think that we're going through this deterioration in our society, the root cause is that there is a rebellion of all of us against God, our Heavenly Father. And as long as we have that rebellion going on, we're going to have it in the physical world as, as well. There is a breakdown between man and God that is reflected in the breakdown between child and parent. And that's what the Lord says. Here in verse 2, he says, uh, O heaven, hear, O heaven, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. What did he say? He said, I have nourished and brought up children. And what did they do? And they rebelled against me. Look at our world and see if that's not true. God has brought up children who have rebelled against him. He said, I have nourished them. And they rebelled. The word rebel can be thought of in two different lights at least. One is that of ignoring. There's nothing that grinded me more as a parent when my kids were growing up and for them to ignore what I said. Just not hear me, you know. They just turned me off. And I just had trouble taking that. 
But this is what we are doing with God. And that is we have tuned him out. We don't hear what he says. And even if we hear it, we ignore it. I had a parent say to me not long ago, I said to my son, do not do that. And he hurt me very plainly, but ignored me and went right on and did what I just got through telling him not to do. Now you don't want to know what I told that parent to do. God is ignored as if he does not exist in this world. I was shocked when Bob Mullet in our Sunday school class told us that we would be surprised at the number of kids who have never been inside a church building. And some of you said, yes, you knew that was true. And adults who have never been inside a church building. I'm sure that we would be utterly surprised to know the number of people who have never read the first word in the Bible. Not the first word. What are we doing then when we don't even come to a house dedicated to the Lord to read his book? We're doing nothing but ignoring him. The second thing is we are defying him. Even after we have read what we read and then go right on and do it anyway. If I could go back to this morning's sermon, it wasn't my sermon, it was, it was James speaking to us, Jesus' own brother, who said something about the use of the tongue. Now, that's God's word. If we ignore that passage or any other passage and go on doing what we want to do because we want to do it, we're being absolutely defiant of God just as the child who heard the parent speak and went on and did what he wanted to do anyway. And then we wonder why is society in the condition it's in? Listen, if something doesn't happen in the United States very soon we are a society going down the drain for God is abused he is defied and we see all kinds of cults that are coming into being and Satan worship and all of these things that are simply indications of the festering sore that we have in our world. And somewhere along the line we're going to have to shape up. And if we don't, then the things that God will say to us here in these verses before we get done will, will surely have to be evident. Look at verses 3 and 4. He has said now in verse 2 that he has nourished and he's brought up children and what have they done? They have rebelled. And then he compares the children to animals. He said in verse 3, the ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. And that's obviously true. 
I have never had any livestock that I've owned in my life, and I've owned uh, quite, a, quite a number of cattle and sheep and horses and other things. There's one thing they absolutely knew, and that's where the feed trough was. And if I let out my little call for the sheep or the cattle or the horses to come in, and I had a bucket in my hand, they knew that I was going to give them something, and I'd pour it in the trough, and they were there. You don't have to convince a hog to get to the trough. He knows where it is pretty quick. He learns that well. Animals learn their owner, their master, and who takes care of them and who feeds them. But Israel, he says, and he's talking to Israel, but I certainly think that he can say the same thing of us, but Israel does not know. My people does not consider. Two things he says. We don't even know who God is. And yet he is the one who created us and brought us into the world. And I'm firmly convinced that God makes the baby in the womb. That's God's creation, not man's. And I think the Bible teaches that. And this baby grows up never to know God who created him. He's dumber than the ox. Who knows how to get to the master? So amazing to me as I see day after day people who do not at all recognize the source of all they have. Verse 4, he says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Sinful nation. The moral decline of the United States is atrocious. We live in an anything-goes society. And people are not ashamed of saying, this is my girlfriend. We live together. You don't have to be ashamed of that anymore. That's, that seems to be the, the standard. Or any of the other immoralities that we possibly might mention. It used to be we hid those things from the preacher. Nobody hides them from me. He says, people are laden with iniquity. What that means is, we, if we sin, we're going to bear the burden of that sin. That's what that means. I don't know why we think that we can get by with sinning. But that's what's taught in the world. You can get by. You can steal. Nobody's ever going to find out about it. You can lie. Nobody will ever know. You can be immoral. As long as you don't tell somebody, you're going to get by with it. And on and on it goes. But listen, God says you play, you pay. That's the essence of God's word. You think that's not true? One of the situations that I deal with 
on my job is, is pollution. Over the years, we have thought nothing about that, that was wrong with putting our sewage and our garbage in the streams. And today, when you drill a water well, you have a great chance of getting a well contaminated with sewage. And I have the records across this state. It's becoming a great concern that you sink a well and you're not sure that you can drink the water once you do it because we have polluted and polluted to the point that there is nothing safe. I remember a fellow who was working a dozer on a piece of property and he discovered that the tracks were melting off the dozer that he was sitting on. And he jumped and got away from it because of the chemicals that had been put in that ground by a company over the years and he didn't know they were there and he was sitting in the midst of it and literally the tracks were deteriorating off his dozer to the point he couldn't move it. You pay, play, you pay. Why do you think we have the problem of venereal disease and now the problem of AIDS? Listen, people have played and now they're paying. The problem is we're all going to eventually pay for the sins of those who played when it comes to AIDS. For it's going out of the homosexual community and now has reached over into the heterosexual community and it's now an unborn babies who are being brought into this world already with the disease. Somebody's paying for this promiscuity. And our world would like to say, the medical society would like to say that this is a medical problem. I suggest to you that AIDS is not a medical problem. It's a moral and a religious problem. We have not learned how to live morally with God and have shunned him and abused him to the point that he is no longer going to tolerate our abuse. And he, like a parent ought to, will stand up and say to his child, Look, this is enough, and I'm not going to take any more of your sass. You want to live that way, you're going to pay for it. That's what God is saying. Laden with iniquity, we are indeed. Our world is laden with it, and we're burdened down with the evil sin that has been committed by our people. He goes on to say that they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. And then he says they're going away backwards. This is an interesting phrase. Going away backward. That's regression. We think we're in a progressive society. We're going forward. As far as I'm concerned, we're backing up. The morality of today, the value of the church today, the gospel that we preach today is not reaching people like it did 50 years ago. And I've heard some of you talk about the old church and some of the things. Listen, that is an indication. We don't have those revivals anymore and probably never will again. 
because people have gone into regression and are gone backward into sin away from God. To go away backward is a tragic thing, but it's happening. Life is in reverse. Verse 5, he asked the question, why shall, should you be stricken anymore? Why should you suffer anymore? But he says you will revolt, revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. That's an interesting phrase. And the whole heart faints. See that in the last part of verse 5? The head is sick. I think what he's saying is we're not willing to face up to the issue. We would rather ignore it and hope that it goes away. That's what happened for years with AIDS, but it didn't go away. It developed and multiplied until we have an epidemic on our hands. We're unwilling to face our problems. The United States has been unwilling to face the issues it faces. West Virginia. Look at the look at the illustration in our in our legislature. We have been bankrupt, and nobody's willing to take to acknowledge it until we have gotten ourselves further and further into debt. Just stick our heads in the sand and pay no attention. Our government has gotten bigger than our capability to handle. Nobody's willing to take the bull by the horns, as we say, and do anything about it. And now we're going to pay. Alexander Solzhenitsky, a Russian who is a, quite a famous person right now, said, with regard to looking at the nations in the West as opposed to those in the East, he said, the loss of courage most striking is the most striking feature observed by outsiders concerning the West. The loss of courage to face the issue he sees is the most striking feature of Western nations. The loss of courage by the state of West Virginia to face the issue is certainly a striking problem we have in West Virginia. And sometimes the unwillingness of churches to face issues does the same thing and causes us to rot from within because we don't want to deal with the problem. Now over to verse 18. He advises, now since this is the situation, he says, come now, that's a pleading uh, statement, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. We acknowledge our sins, though our sins be as scarlet. I don't know what your sins are, but we know what the sins of our society are, but now we've got to come down to looking at it personally. How do you, as an individual, stack up in your relationship to God? And how do I? We each have to deal with that issue independently and individually. As Dillard said very well, he cannot say what mine is, neither can I say what yours is. 
when it comes to our relationship to God. We've got to each settle that issue ourselves. What is your relationship to the Lord God tonight? If your sins are as scarlet, he said they can be white as snow, turning the impurities of our life into purity. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, which means white as wool. Again, the, the, the word white coming through. Verse 19, if ye be willing, here is the whole issue. To anybody who is not a Christian, this becomes the key. If you are willing and obedient, then he's going to, in this case, speaking to Israel, allow them to have a good land full of, of plenty of good things. But he says in verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel... Ye shall be devoured with the sword. And there's where I see the United States tonight. We are refusing and rebelling against God. And we're going to have to be brought into line by God. By His doing something with us to straighten us out. We're going to be devoured. If we're not careful. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And you can't get any plainer than the Lord speaking. He doesn't mince words. Now this is how I see society. This is how I see government. But how do you and I see ourselves in relationship to God when it comes to verse 18 through 20? He says, let's be reasonable. Consider yourself in relationship to God. If you go on like you are, you're going to be cut off. If you go on like you are, you're going to go to hell. And people ignore that statement as if, ah, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a preacher talking. But that's what the Word says. I don't know what the nature of anybody's heart is in this congregation at all this evening. But you and I know ourselves about our own relationship whether we are right with God. If you're not right with God, tonight is a good time to set it right. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.